Ridgerun Nation, what is up? Welcome back to another edition of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we have a fantastic guest, Jamie Fenstrel. She ran the entire Shawnee 50 mile course this past weekend with a group of runners for the unofficial 2020 Shawnee 50. She's a Northeast Ohio runner and has been racking up top five finishes across all ultra marathon distances. She's a great guest. She's an awesome runner. Let's get into it. Yo, what is crackalacking, Ridge Runner Nation? Happy Wednesday. On tonight's show, we are joined by a very special guest, one that I've personally been wanting to talk to you on this live show for quite some time now. This past weekend, she ran 50 plus miles in the Shawnee Forest on the day which would have been the third annual Shawnee 50 miler. Uh, in addition to this epic adventure, she placed second at the Tuscasaur 50 miler last month and has many top five finishes in the past two years across many ultramarathons distances coming to us all the way from northeast ohio without further ado jamie fenstrel how's it going hey wesley it's going really well thanks for having me on tonight oh we're super excited to talk to you obviously this past weekend must have been super epic for you to get back to the shawnee forest you've kind of been down there a couple times now this would have been your second race doing the shawnee 50 uh but before we get too deep into that adventure uh, let's start off with our typical first question what are you drinking tonight I have a Corona light, which has seemed quite appropriate in the current environment. <laughs> so cheers. <laughs> yes, I've, uh, I've got a Miller light myself. So I that's kind of what I had in the fridge because I haven't done any grocery shopping yet since my recent travel adventures uh, this past weekend. But, but that's okay. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Ridge Runners have a Strava Club as well, and our handle is at Ridge Runners on all platforms. Jamie, let's dive right into it with your adventure this past weekend at the Shawnee Forest. Uh, kind of talk to us about uh, what it was like kind of knowing about would the race happen, would the race not happen, kind of why you chose to kind of go down to the forest anyway, and what it was like kind of being out there. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, I think you know there was a group of us and, you know, we were kind of hell-bent on, we've trained for this, we love Shawnee, and regardless of whether the race happens, like, we've got rooms booked, we're going to go. Um, and actually it was really, I think it was a really special weekend. So one of my friends, Lee, it was his first 50 mile and he had trained really hard for it. And we were really just super pumped to help him get through that, that 50. And, you know, what a, what a, you know, effort for a first 50 mile. And it actually was my first 50 as well. So it was a, kind of special for me to help somebody else through that, um, those feelings. And I remember, um, thinking back to two years ago, um, you know, in, in eight, 2018, it was, Shawnee was my first 50 mile race. And, you know, I had come from the road marathoning background and did a couple of 50 Ks beforehand and thought, Hey, this is going well. Like, I think I'll try a 50 mile. And, you know, Shawnee definitely was like eye opening for me. And I think kind of my first really true foray into ultra running. Um, but actually I think what was special about this weekend is when I ran it. Um, so I ran in, in 2018 in November, and then we were down there in January. I'm um, just kind of for a fun run, like a 30 mile run. And so I'd never seen the leaves on the trees down there. And I, I think it was especially beautiful this time because, you know, we took the time to go up the fire tower and like look all, all through the forest. And it was just, it was actually incredible to see it in a different season. Cause I had really only seen it more towards like the winter or when the tree, you know, trees had already lost their leaves. Um, but I thought that was a really special part was to see it during a different time of year. But I just love that down there, just how truly wild it feels. Like I think, you know, we run trails up here in Northeast Ohio and, and they're beautiful and everything, but you never really feel like you're really out there in the wilderness. I mean, it's always like, Oh, there's a road here and there's a McDonald's on the street. If we need it, you know, like it's, you're never, and I think Shawnee truly, 
um, there's times that you're like, I'm really out here and I legit could be lost. And um, I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but we actually had that experience happen in January when we got horribly lost. Um, and it was, it was fun, um, I guess, looking back, but it was also kind of scary because there was no cell phone service. And we were like at night in the rain uh, in January and couldn't find our way back to the trail. So um, we eventually did get out of the forest, but um, I think, you know, there's just a lot of like fun and adventures and, um, I, I just really enjoy, you know, the challenge of the hills down there. It definitely is just a whole different, um, feel than it is up in Northeast Ohio and just kind of love being down there with my friends. It was a great day. The Shawnee forest is definitely a special place. I know it is to me and a couple other people as well, but I always joke around. I always say like, if I'm just doing a regular trail run in most places. I'm like, okay, I'm a cell phone call away from like getting help or whatnot. Yeah. But when I'm in the Shawnee forest, I, I mean, I got to get ready to call the chopper and like, <laughs> if anything happens, that's what I joke around. Like that's kind of what it feels in comparison to everywhere yeah. else kind of in Ohio and in that region. So it's definitely got its own unique feel. Um, Take us through the day. So what was it like kind of uh, being there at the lodge? I mean, some people probably have seen the starting line photo with all of you guys kind of geared up super early in the morning. What was it like kind of being there with those other people and uh, about to embark on this awesome adventure? It was really fun. I mean, I thought it was cool just to see kind of the little crowd that did show up and everyone kind of had their own goals for the day. You know, some people were going the whole route. Some people had, you know, sort of a half distance route planned. Um, but I thought it was really fun to just kind of get to chat with people for a few minutes before we got started and just making our way down that first hill on the road. You know, we were all kind of like the excitement was in the air. You can feel everybody was just looking forward to it. And then we got beautiful weather as well. So I thought, you know, it was really just perfect, like, time and, and just, you know, enjoying the, the perfect kind of fall day. It's nice. So you make your way to the trail, obviously you got a one mile downhill. It's all easy, probably the easiest mile <laughs> in the entire shoddy forest. You hit the trail. Uh, what's it, what's it like kind of going through those early miles? Yeah. I mean, I think pretty early on, you know, you get your first taste of the hills and you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, that's hill one of 18 or so. Um, and, but I think it was really, I enjoyed, we were in the dark for a while, actually. And it was kind of interesting. I think it was, it was longer than, um, than it was what I remembered running the race and just kind of, you know, making your way through the dark. And by the time the sun came up, you're like, all right, I got, got some miles in. Um, you know, I think I was, I was definitely remembering very quickly what it felt like to, to get up those hills and, and kind of, you know, in the beginning, you're kind of like, wow, I have a long way to go, but I, I feel like it went really fast in the end, at least the first 20 miles or so. You know, I think by the time we hit, you know, Camp Oyo is where we had the, the van parked. I actually thought the first like 20 or so miles went pretty quickly. Um, and, and we were kind of like lighthearted, you know, at that point. And, you know, it was it was early on. Um, and uh, we also had, I don't know if you know, Jamie Hanks was with us. So he was a lot of fun to, to hang out with and got to hear his tattoo story and all of that. So and I also got to learn from him uh, what leaves work best as toilet paper if needed. Um, so that was a new uh, learning for me. Um so yeah, I think it was just, it was a lot of fun to kind of um, make our way through the early miles. I think, you know, towards the middle is when, you know, people start to, you know, experience a little bit of like, oh, it's starting to feel a little bonky, starting to feel a little um, unsure. But um, I, I have to say for myself, the whole time was really pleasant. Like I, I you know, it was much different than the race. Um, you know, in eight, 2018, I was I hit mile 20 and I was already in tears. And I think this for me, number one, not racing 
took a lot of pressure off, but I guess number two, you know, I just, I felt really comfortable the whole time and it was a good boost for me because I'm going into Mohican 100 in about two and a half weeks. So, you know, this for me was one of the reasons we, you know, I decided to do it as well was to help as like a last long training run for Mohican to hopefully, hopefully be ready here. Um, but I thought it would be a good kind of mental, mental boost for that. Well, I mean, I think you're definitely ready after the performance you just had this past weekend kind of, kind of solidifies that, if anything. Um, yeah, it's definitely kind of an awesome. Jamie Hanks is a good friend of Fruit Hunter Nation and good friend of the show as well. So uh, kind of cool. You got to hang out with him a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, what, was, what was the fire tower like? I know that I've got mixed feelings about the fire tower. Every time I, kind of I go up or down, depending on how early or late in the day is my legs shake a little bit, but what was the uh, experience like for I, you? I, I, kind of going I up actually, there? yeah, I guess I really liked it. I think the couple of the guys were a little afraid of heights, but um, I thought it was beautiful up there. And I, you know, kind of wish I had gone up before, but I know during the race, I was like, no way I'm already really overwhelmed by everything. So, um, but it was beautiful. I'm glad Michael coaxed me to go up. Um, it was, we took some pictures and just, I loved being able to see so far, you know, and just the, the leaves were not quite in prime color, but they were definitely changing. And it was just, it was a really pretty experience. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite views on the course as well, but then we're not too far after that. I mean, you go seven or eight miles further and there's another super epic lookout point. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you guys saw that one and, uh, yeah. took that all in as a group. Yeah. No, there's so. some, some really nice red lines there for sure. So say you got uh, all the way to Camp Oyo. You, things were going probably pretty smooth for you guys up until that point. Uh, what was it like kind of going out of Camp Oyo? I know it's kind of, for me, when I'm out on, on the course or whatnot, it's kind of a turning point of when the day turns. Obviously, you do the North Loop, and that's the first part of the South Loop. What was the second part kind of like? Yeah, well, I have to say, I think for our, you know, our friend Lee actually had some trouble, like in the early miles, he was fighting off a cold and he was actually struggling some. So, you know, I think, you know, my thought with at Camp Boy was just like, let's make sure we keep moving. Like, let's get what we need and just like, keep going. Um, and I have to say, like, he really rallied after that. So I think for him, like the early miles were, were harder. Um, and it was cool to see how well he rallied in like the later thirties and into the, you know, mile 40. And so, um, I think for, for me, I was just trying to kind of like reminisce and remember what it felt like two years ago versus now. Um, and I think I felt good. I have to say, I have to give a shout out to my friend, Tim Crow. Um, he always brings all the food that saves me, him and my friend, Kevin, because <laughs> I never bring enough food, uh, which I need to still learn. I feel it's such a big difference, you know, um, ultra running, you know, as a marathoner, you have like three goose and some Gatorade and you're like good. And I feel like in ultras, I show up and I'm like, I have a handful of almonds and some fruit snacks. I'm great. Right. And then I end up like bonking, you know, about 20 miles in, but uh, Tim brought some great pierogies. So we definitely snacked on some like legit food at Camp Boyo. And I think that really helps to kind of get us moving. Um, but that next section is pretty slow. I think as you move in, you know, you kind of can't run the next couple miles very much. So it was kind of, I think a nice time though, cause we had just had, you know, some food and drink and everything. And we had to kind of digest as we're hiking along the next couple of miles. So, um, but I, I felt like that section went actually relatively well all the way until really, um, in the mid forties, I would say things were pretty good or maybe towards 40. Um, we actually got, took a detour and ended up off course and going up the really, really steep hill and then realizing we were off course and coming back down it. So <laughs> that was a bit mentally, uh, difficult at that point. 
So uh, we, you've got a couple of friends in the chat already. Kevin Ford said, way to go. Hope to get out to Shawnee soon. Uh, Lee also said, ask her about Jamie's tattoo. I kind of heard some rumors about this as well, but uh, I'll let you kind of dive into that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I had the, I had never met Jamie before, um, but I knew of him um, with the nickname of White Ass. Um, so uh, we, I was inquiring with him about uh, this tattoo that I had heard of um, because, uh, you know, our friends Tim and, and Kevin had apparently seen his tattoo. Um, so he, he decided to go ahead and share it with us um, very early on in the run, actually. So it was, you know, it's a good, probably met him 10 minutes before and there's, there's his ass. But um, it was it was cool. It was, a, it was a really funny and random story. And it was just kind of like, well, wow, that's kind of awesome, actually. Um, so I thought it was cool, his story, just that he basically got his friend's name tattooed on his butt. He was sober at the time, and he gets free Oakley sunglasses now. So I was like, all right, well, I guess there's worse things. <laughs> just kind of funny. He was a cool guy to hang out with. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, if anyone else has any questions in the chat, uh, make sure to drop those in for Jamie so we can uh, can we get to those there. So uh, I want to know about, okay, so you kind of said the next couple of miles after Camp Oyo were kind of steady or whatnot, obviously a lot of hills there. Uh, what yeah. was it like? I know the cha- challenging part is the hangover aid station, which is like mile 30 or so. You make a massive climb up there and then mm. usually there's an aid station there at the race, one of the best aid stations on race day. I don't, I'm assuming you guys have zero aid there unless someone had an ATV up there. Yeah, we didn't have aid again until I think 38 is where Michael had moved the cooler, right? Where he crossed that, that creek or whatever and it was kind of sitting. Um, yeah, so I don't think we had aid until 38, but yeah, I, I know the climb. Is, is that the Darth Vader aid station or what? Yes, yes. yes. Okay, that because I remember remembering that aid station. I was like, I think it was here, but I, I couldn't quite remember for sure. Yeah, that was a cool aid station back at the race. I remember um, the the potatoes were excellent. <laughs> yes, yeah. So now every time like I go up to that spot and there's no one there with the <laughs> the potatoes at the the celebration, I'm always sort of yeah, yeah. It's I just so special. That. Yeah. On race day. So you guys made all the way to Twin Creek, Twin Creek one, uh, mile 37, had the aid station there. Then you got a nice little five mile section, making the climb up and around to Twin Creek two. Uh, kind of take us through those last couple miles of the race and or the, not the race, the adventure and kind of just what the vibes are like all day. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, you know, Lee knew he had it in the bag and I think we were all feeling good about that too. Um, he did have a few chafing issues. Uh, so, you know, definitely, had to kind of manage that, had a bit of the cowboy walk going on <laughs> later in the game. Um, I think, you know, everything, as I remember, was was actually pretty light. And like, I feel like we, um, you know, we're all kind of joking around and everything. Everyone is good in terms of hydration and food. Like nobody really, I don't, you know, I think Tim said he bonked a little. He got, you know, kind of his typical quiet, like going into his zone kind of look where he doesn't want to talk to anybody. But um, I, I felt like everybody else was pretty okay. Um, and, but we made the decision actually, once we, um, we went off course, like I said, ended up kind of like looping our way back towards the South loop. Um, we decided once we hit Mackle tree that we were going to take the road back. Um, so, cause we were going to be over 50, we hit, ended up being 51 and a half. Um, so we ended up taking Mackle tree road back and catching our um, car at Camp Oyo. So we did miss uh, the famous Mackle tree Hill, which I admittedly had an epic meltdown on during the race in 2018. So I was kind of hoping to hit that again, but I, um, I did hit it in January when we were there for our um, adventure. Um, so I did got to experience it then and remember it was still really freaking hard, but um, I just remember during the race, uh, I think in part, it's also where it's at in the race. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if I would feel the same way if it was earlier on, but I just remember thinking to myself like another 
hill. And I, I just remember stopping in the middle of McElroy Road Hill and just standing there for, and there was a guy, he actually passed me on that hill and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I just need a moment. I just need a moment. Like it was, it was definitely one of those like epic meltdown uh, moments for me, but I knew at that point, you know, in the race that I had to get through. Um, but my gosh, I definitely, uh, I hope if I end up racing the, the full course again, that I tackle that with a, a little more authority than I did in 2018. Um, so we did, we did miss um, those few hills, but um, we ended up, you know, finishing out on the road and um, getting to see some, there were some really pretty horses and actually some dogs and everything as we were kind of passing through some of the houses there. So that was, that was kind of nice to end on that note. Yeah, that road is not too, too bad. And uh, I know that if you actually take the road to the lodge, it's actually longer course wise than if you take the trail normally. So oh, uh, okay. I, I discovered that the long way when Tim Crow called me out for taking the shortcut on McElchee Road during my little adventure this past summer. But uh, uh-huh. not surprising that you, Tim Crow was bonking. Uh, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get him back there. But um, yeah, so that sounds like it was totally epic. I mean, obviously 50 miles in the Shawnee Forest, you're going to learn a lot no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Lee's first uh, 50 sounds like you guys had a heck of an experience out there together. Uh, what's one thing about the Shawnee forest that you think what makes it as special as it is? What's the one thing, if you could pinpoint it, that makes it so special? I think it's the, honestly, I think it's the wilderness, like just the, like, like to your point that you're truly out somewhere, you know, remote. Um, and I, I feel like you don't, you don't get that a lot of places anymore, at least not maybe in Ohio, maybe you do out in other States, but yeah, I think for me, that's what it is. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, this is kind of cool to see that you come back to Shawnee. I mean, you basically did this adventure faster than you did it, the, your, the race in 2018. In 2018, you finished sixth overall in the highly competitive women's field that was at the race that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking back on your ultra sign up, I kind of think that that race and that obviously you said you had some challenges in 2018 on race day. I think that was kind of the turning point in your ultra career. You mentioned that you did marathons, you did a couple of 50 Ks leading up to it, but being your first 50 and kind of experiencing that, I think it kind of flipped the switch for you a little bit. And ever since then, you've been rattling off these top five finishes. Uh, How do you think that race in in 2018 kind of shaped your career now? I feel like, you know, the fact that I finished it, um, was incredibly like, I, I kind of, it was like drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I felt like I got it. I finally like understood what it was like to, to truly like suffer in a race. Like I felt like the 50 Ks that I did before that I really, they went really smoothly and it was like, that was great. That was fun, you know, but they weren't super challenging in terms of like the, you know, elevation or technicality or anything. Um, you know, and this, race really for the first time was like, I legitimately felt like I had touched my limit um, and gotten past that. Cause I definitely, you know, I saw my husband, I think around, around Camp Boyo and was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I really, for the first time, and I've never, I've never, I haven't yet to this time had a DNF, you know? So I remember it was the first time I really was like, I don't know if this is something I can do. Um, but I think getting past that, and I remember distinctly when I saw him again, I think it was around, it might've been my, I think it was actually around mile 40. And at that point I was like, I got this. Like I knew, and I knew I had it. And I, it kind of flips the switch in your mind where you realize like you can get past the things that you, you know, didn't think you could do. And I, I feel like for me, it kind of urged me on to like, try, try other things. Like I, you know, going out to black Canyon this, um, this February was really, it was honestly challenging. I think the course was a lot harder than like I was thinking it would be. And just the different terrain was quite, challenging it's, it's a very different you know Arizona terrain is very different than, than Ohio um but I feel like it kind of just it motivated me to 
you know, that I, I could do these like hard things and that, um, especially tackling those hills. Like I, I definitely, I never considered myself very good at hills and even still, I wouldn't say I'm super strong climber, but, um, you know, I feel like getting through that was, was really, really rewarding and cool. And I, I think you're right. I, I feel like that was kind of the, the peak for like, okay, I, I actually really love these like long distances. You know, I think initially I, I, you know, I met all my friends. I showed up and I was like, I want to run a 50 K and you guys are all crazy and I'm never doing anything more than that. Um, but it quickly kind of, I think I realized just how fun and interesting um, and kind of unpredictable ultra running is like, you know, you, I feel like you go in, of course you, you train, you'd make a plan, but ultimately like stuff happens and you have to kind of like manage it. And I think that's something that's, that's cool. I don't know. It's a little, little different than I think most of what I experienced in my road running career. Yeah. So Tim Crow is actually in the chat as well. And it said, it sounds like <laughs> she know. wants it sounds like she wants to do the Shawnee 100. <laughs> I'm actually curious what your experience was like doing the, were you solo or you, did you have anyone with you when you did the hundred there? I had you one. Oh, I had one person with me, a uh, pace, okay. Nick Voss uh, for about okay. 23 miles or so. But uh, oh. the person that you should ask and everyone should kind of go to is Michael Gamp. He's done a lot of, I think he was out there as well. He was there. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's done a many epic adventures out in the Shawnee Forest. He did uh, 150 miles a couple weekends uh, in, in like 60 hours there. And so oh he's got gosh. all of, I mean, yeah, it was like a Barkley-esque effort. So uh, he's the guy that you guys, Columbus runner, uh, everyone's got to go to to kind of figure out like, okay, how far can you actually go? Like a Shawnee 200, is that possible? Because I think Michael oh Camp's going to go do it by himself and <laughs> in a little bit if Tim Crow doesn't get on it. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I have to say a hundred seems insane there. I was thinking that to myself as I was out there and I was like, I just don't know how my legs would like hold up for that. <laughs> just the elevation is like some of this hills feel never ending. <laughs> would you sign up if Michael put it on? I actually, I think I would. I, I know I was harassing him back in January about you were talking about doing that point to point kind of thing. And I was like, I would do it. I'm in, I would try <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'd try it. I mean, I, I do the best I can. Um, yeah, I feel like my legs are still not quite at that level of being able to handle the elevation for that long, but we'll see. I've only done 100, you know, the burning river is my only, and, um, I have to say in mile 85, uh, my, my pacer could attest that my legs were totally toast and he was basically having to <laughs> shove me up the hills. So <laughs> maybe Michael can, uh, get on that a little bit and we'll see in the coming years if something like that does take place there. I think it would be um, fun. He was talking about like a gravel roads, you know, incorporating gravel roads with the trails and, you know, we could get a hundred miles that way. I feel like it'd be a good race. It'd be really nice. It would be interesting, but obviously you've got your second hundred miler coming up here in uh, two weeks with the Mohican 100 doing another Ohio hundred. Um, yeah. What do you think it's going to be like kind of going to Mo Mohican? Obviously it's going to be a little different course this year, mm -hmm. but um, how do you think, I mean, are you ready for that? And what do you think uh, that's going to be like? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I, I'm a little bit sad. It's, you know, a different course because I, I've trained so much down there that I feel like I know among many portions of what the course was. And I, that was kind of what my expectation was obviously when I signed up for it. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm open, certainly open to whatever it ends up being. I don't necessarily know. I didn't make it to the training runs. I'm not sure if they're having any more, um, but you know, it's mostly on private property. So it's really areas I've never trained on. So in some ways it's exciting. Like I'm kind of excited to see new trails and new places, but in some ways I'm also a little intimidated because I really, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm in for. Um, so I did ask a couple friends that made the training run, just, you know, what kind of terrain was it like? What are you thinking in terms of shoes on um, that type of thing? But it sounds like 
there's one section that we repeat twice um, on private property, which is pretty, um, there's a lot of elevation and there's, it's fairly technical. So those 40 miles I think are tough. And I think the, the other 60 are, you know, a little bit less intense, but I think those 40 are going to be really key. And they're from mile, I think about 40 to 80. So that's going to be a tough, like mental section, I think as well. So I've kind of warned, um, uh, Tim and Kevin are hopefully going to help me out with, um, some pacing and, and crew. So I kind of said, you're going to have to kick me a little bit. <laughs> it's going to, I'm going to come in, I'm going to try to cry. And you got to tell me like, quit it, just keep going. So, um, cause I, my husband's lovely as, as, as my crew, but he definitely will let me cry. And sometimes you'd have to kind of like, you know, tough love. <laughs> so, so what are your, like, what is your goal going to the race? Like uh, first place, second place, I mean, I would, I'd love to be on the podium. I always kind of feel like I just go in and I, I do what I can. I, I can't say that. I mean, I generally just try to run my own race. Um, and you know, I've been fortunate that things have worked actually pretty well for me for the most part. Um, you know, but I, I would love to see the podium if I can, if I can get in top five. Um, and in terms of time, it's hard to say, cause it, I really don't know the course, but I guess, you know, in the range of, in the range of 24 hours is what I'm hoping for. But, um, Honestly, like I don't, it's one of those things I just go out and run how I feel. I really don't, I felt, felt like I learned with ultra running very quickly that I really can't pace myself. Like I did in a road marathon. I can't look and see my splits or, you know, eight minute miles or whatever. Like it just doesn't work that way. So, um, I mean, I'm just going to go out and see how I feel and run, run on feel. Um, and it seemed to work well for burning river. I mean, I felt like that for my first hundred was ridiculously smooth. I mean, I, I can't even, I feel like I'll never have a race like that. I don't know. Again, in my life, it was so smooth. I feel like people have all these horror stories. And for me, it was like, I felt amazing for 80 miles. And then even the last 20 weren't terrible, you know? So, yeah. Well, kind of, it kind of seems like you prepare well and you actually train for the stuff that you actually want to do, which is good. Just good to see. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm, I'm a planner. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> like one that I try to, yeah, I'm definitely a planner. I feel like I can't, I can't function without having like a plan of I'm doing this many miles this week. And I, and I, you know what, I also do a lot of cross training because I, I, I'm not necessarily a person that can handle high, high mileage. Um, so I do biking and yoga um, and some strength training as well. I feel like a well-balanced mix works best for me. Um, Cause I just, I'm not someone who can do, you know, 80, 90, hundred miles a week. So. I feel like that's like a, a, I mean, I've been seeing that more and more across people like getting into biking or getting into yoga or CrossFit recently. We've had a lot of people doing CrossFit on the show recently. Uh, what's kind of like how, like I, I obviously you said it kind of helps you, but like, what's the, the one aspect of that that kind of just like uh, helps solidify your training and makes it more holistic? Probably adding, I added, started adding yoga a year ago. And actually um, one of the things I found that helps is the, the calmness factor and the breathing. Um, because one of the things that, that I did notice in burning river is I started to hyperventilate as I got like towards the end. Cause I was just, you know, I was overwhelmed. I was tired and I started to kind of panic. Um, and I think that, you know, adding yoga in the mix, I noticed um, during Tuscazor, I hit um, kind of that point, I think it was around mile 40 or so, where I was really starting to get tired. We were climbing up buzzer's roost and um, you know, I really started those like deep breathing sort of that, yoga feel of just kind of calming myself down, getting my heart rate down. And I felt like it was very beneficial. And I'm hoping that I can use that going into Mohican as well. I think that that just sort of mentally setting myself, being able to kind of like zone in on, on myself is helpful. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you mentioned Tusco's order. That is just, I mean, that just happened a month, just over, a little over a month ago at this point, yeah. you took second place there. Uh, what was it like kind of going out there and uh, running that race? 
Honestly, it was really special. So um, I'll share, I had a, I've had a rough year. Um, so um, I lost a, a dear friend back in March to cancer um, very, very suddenly. Um, and after that, actually in May, um, I was training for, for Mohican thinking it was happening in June. Um, and I thought I had a calf strain. And in the end, um, I actually had a blood clot in my calf, um, a DVT that was not diagnosed. And so um, I was treating it as a calf strain of seeing a physical therapist and everything and, um, you know, trying to rehab it. When I tried to get back into running, um, I noticed I was like not feeling great. I just was really tired and I felt like really out of shape. And I, I thought, I guess I just got out of shape in two weeks, even though that kind of sounds ridiculous. But anyway, in the end, um, I went six weeks not being diagnosed, but I ended up having um, blood clots in my lungs. Um, so I was hospitalized in the ICU for three days in June, actually the week that Mohican was supposed to happen. Um, and so Tuscazor for me was really a redemption race because um, I really wasn't sure what my body was going to be able to do this year. And honestly, you know, I feel incredibly grateful and blessed that, you know, somehow I came out of it as, as well as I did. A lot of people, you know, who go through this are pretty debilitated for a while. Um, and my doctor's really didn't know exactly what to tell me. Um, you know, ultra runners, as you know, we're kind of our own unique breed. So they didn't really have a recipe for like, you know, what you should be doing. Cause you know, I remember leaving the hospital and thinking and asking, can I go run five miles? And they're like, Oh my God, five miles. And I was like, well, then for me, five miles is nothing like that's, you know, easy. Um, so I just kind of had to like, honestly, listen to my body. Um, so I have to say at Tuscazor, I did reach a point. It was, you know, around mile 30, between 30 and 35, where I did question, like, am I, should I be out here? Like, am I, you know, am I really like, am I really ready for this? Am, am I asking too much too soon? Um, and I, I almost called my husband and I actually, I met this, this wonderful girl. I, her name was Megan, I believe in the hundred. And she asked if I just wanted to walk with her for a little bit and kind of get my bearings together. I just had gotten kind of dizzy and just wasn't, I think I went out a little too fast. And um, we walked together for maybe a half mile or something. And then I was like, you know, you know, kind of got some fluids in me and stuff. And it's like, I'm feeling better, you know, and I took off and just kind of got a second wind. And it just, um, I really, you know, the last 10 miles, I just kind of banged. I mean, I, I gave it everything, you know, I crossed the finish line. Just, I was gone, but I, for me, it just, it felt like redemption. Cause I, I really, um, it was just a really hard year between the loss of my friend and just kind of having, having something scary happen, you know, at such a young age, I mean, I'm 34 and you just, you never think, you never realize like how close you can be to, to dying. I mean, frankly, people, people die from these things. And it just, um, it was a really kind of eye-opening experience. And I think another aspect of just, you know, going after what you want now, because you just, you can't necessarily know what's going to happen. Um, so I think Tuscazor was actually extra, extra special for me. It initially, you know, wasn't necessarily an A race of the year. My, my year was supposed to be Black Canyon, which, you know, I completed in February and then Mohican in June. And, um, I don't remember. I had something planned for, oh, Shawnee for the fall. Um, those were kind of my three A races, but, um, you know, Tuscazor ended up being really special in that way. The fact that it, it happened after all this time with no racing, um, and, and number two, just that, you know, my body was able to, to pull that out. And I just, I was really proud. I was honestly really proud, um, of what, what I was able to do. Yeah. Well, we're super glad, obviously, that you're obviously doing better now. And I mean, obviously you've been crushing it the past two weekends, obviously at Tuscazor going out there, kind of proving to yourself and I'm sure to others as well that you are back. And then obviously this weekend kind of doing that as well. So uh, yeah. we're excited to kind of see you continue 
climbing the ranks of ultra running, conquering the distances. And I think we kind of like what you mentioned earlier, you kind of each adventure, you kind of like learn something new throughout the way. So um, sure. it's kind of been awesome to kind of continue to see you do that. So uh, that's awesome. Um, the Mohican 100, obviously, is going to be a heck of a race. Second 100, um, kind of like if you could, I mean, the race is going to happen, obviously, but what is like one thing that I think that you hope to come out of the Mohican 100 with? So obviously, the Tuscals were 100. You kind of wanted to prove to yourself that you could do it this past weekend. Um, you had your own reason, but what's one thing you hope to leave the Mohican 100 kind of coming out with? Um, I think probably probably just more, more confidence with the distance. I mean, just having only done a hundred once, you know, I definitely, I still feel like it's a very unknown territory for me and, you know, burning river. Um, I knew the trails so well that I felt I had a little more confidence just in, in knowing what I was in for. So probably just, probably just gaining some confidence and also still learning, still learning around like what pacing and, and how, and how often to kind of eat and drink. I always feel like nutrition is such a, difficult thing to gauge and it's not the same even every day for the same person so i'm um, just continuing to kind of learn myself and what what i'm capable of definitely definitely i think that'll be i mean obviously you're gonna definitely i think accomplish that out there uh lee in the chat again is asking uh has a question when are you doing rim to rim rim to rim to river or rim to rim to rim <laughs> Yeah. So they're all hoping to go on an adventure next, uh, next year, I think for Lee's 50th birthday, um, next October. So I'm hoping to be joining the gang. I need to get a little bit of permission there, but, uh, yeah, hoping to be joining for that. So I guess like that, that would be another, basically another adventure or whatnot, not like a race. Uh, what do you, like, do you, do you prefer the adventures or do you still kind of like, like the race aspect and kind of the competitive nature of kind of going out there and crushing people? Yeah. I guess I like both. To be honest, I can't race super often. I think just for me, I am very intense and I am, I'm pretty competitive. So I feel like, you know, I can only turn that on, you know, at certain times. I feel like I can't, I'm not the type that can race every weekend. Um, so I, I sort of try to plan my year out for like a couple of A races, but actually really, I do like the adventures. I didn't realize like maybe how much I enjoyed it um, until we went to Shawnee and actually maybe back in January when we were in Shawnee as well, but just like that, the fun aspect that like, it's actually really fun and doesn't have to be, I put so much pressure on myself in races. I feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't look like I'm having fun. Like I remember it. a guy at Tuscazor was like, you're paying for this. It's supposed to be fun. You know, as I'm standing there going, oh, I don't want to eat. I don't want, you know? So um, I feel like it's a nice mix to do both just to kind of avoid burnout. Cause I, you know, I just tend, I think in all aspects of my life, I'm pretty intense um, and that can lead to, you know, feeling burned out. And I know I got there, when I ran road marathons, my, my goal ultimately as a road marathoner was always to qualify for Boston. And it took me a while. Cause as I said, I'm not, I'm not naturally super speedy. I think endurance is definitely more my strength. Um, but I finally qualified and that was kind of, it was a huge, you know, accomplishment for me, but I felt so burned out at that point of like, Oh my gosh, all I've been doing for like five years is trying to qualify for Boston. And, um, you kind of lose a little bit of that magic sometimes. And I think um, switching to trails was a nice sort of, you know, change up, but I, I do feel like it's nice to uh, do a little bit of both just sort of fun adventures with your friends and also on um, that competitive aspect. But I really like to go into races being feeling like fully prepared. And like I said, kind of planning out my, my year as much as I can. 
How do you think being a competitive person kind of helps you in ultra running? Obviously there's a lot of people who maybe have the talent or maybe just have like the natural ability, but I kind of think that sometimes if you have the mental uh, ability and the competitive nature of it, you just kind of just have that little bit of an edge over some people. Uh, how do you kind of think about that? I mean, I, I feel like you reach a point, we all reach a point where you make a very conscious decision that to either back off or like all the way in, you know, cause I think, you, you know, you hit a point and, and you know, I, I think for me thinking about the 50 mile, for example, recently, you know, probably in the mid thirties where it was like, I easily could have just walked the rest of the way. Or I could say I'm digging in and I'm running like a bat out of hell and I'm, you know, I'm giving it everything I have. Um, and I feel like, you know, to some extent that competitive nature kicks in to help you kind of keep pushing past that point. Of, you know, because we all reach that point of like, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Like, I just want to walk. Um, and I, I think that certainly helps. I know, like for me, for example, there was a guy kind of kept going back and forth with him and we hit that last aid station. I remember grabbing a Rice Krispie treat and I was like, I'm out of here. And I just took off and like, I ended up being three or four minutes ahead of him. But I just was like, I am dusting this guy. I'm done. Like, you know, so um, I, I think that's kind of where that comes in, that it can help boost that final kind of push to the end. <laughs> And I think that everyone kind of has that deep down, whether, I mean, whether even if it's just going for your own time, like, or yeah. going, you know, I mean, I don't think you have to be going out for a podium finish to kind of have that competitive nature in a race. I think you sure. can obviously have your own personal best and trying to accomplish those a, a goals that you set in, in a race. So I think it's kind of like for everyone to kind of, I guess, try to find that if they, if they can in training and in, and in life. Yeah. Um, kind of one other thing that I want to touch about is, uh, your future goals, obviously uh, it may be tough to think about post Mohican, but looking into next year, I'm sure you have a couple other goals, uh, kind of on the line. Uh, what's going to be next going into next year for you? Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I haven't really thought too far ahead. I think, you know, for this year I had planned really far ahead. I think, you know, way back when last year I had already thought about like my whole, you know, planning, um, I definitely want to do, I would say another hundred. Um, I'm not sure if I want to do more than maybe one, 100 in a year. I, I kind of want to vary the distances and get maybe a little better at like the 50 mile as well. Cause I've, I've still only, I guess, raced, I think it was only my, my second at Tuscazor. So, um, you know, I still don't have a ton of, of, you know, experience at the various distances. Um, I think I'm just going to go for kind of, uh, challenging myself maybe with a little more like technical races. I, I've historically been, a little freaked out. Like, I know I'm going to try Heiner 50 K for the first time. I was supposed to do that this year and it got, you know, um, deferred to next year, but I know like the terrain there is pretty gnarly. And, um, you know, I've historically done, you know, Shawnee itself is not super technical. I feel like it's very, a lot of elevation, but technicality wise, it's really, it's not. So maybe just trying some different terrain. Um, I'm not really sure about traveling yet, like where exactly, you know, we'll go or anything. Um, I'm hoping to, to stick in probably one, 100 thinking about kettle moraine. That's, that's on my, you know, list of potentials. Um, eventually I want to do a hundred, like out, you know, West or something, but I am a little intimidated still about just the, how different the terrain is and everything and elevation and that kind of thing. Um, and for now it's, it's nice. I do really appreciate it. And there's a lot to be said that for having the support of like your friends and people that, you know, um, which is why Mohican seemed like an easy choice for me for my second hundred, you know, Cause I felt like I'd still have support there and, you know, kind of flying out somewhere random and being on my own. I'm not sure if I'm quite ready. Um, but I think I'm going to keep gradually just sort of, you know, challenging myself in those types of ways, like, like trying to do a hundred and being totally solo. Um, Cause right now I definitely feel like, I don't know how I would do it without a pacer. Um, I don't know. I, 
that just seems more than I, I know how to do with that distance and that time, you know, the overnight piece is, is intimidating for me. Definitely. Yeah. This is, no, is going to be a lot of fun. We can just sit here and talk about which races you can potentially do. We can just go through a list of them together and uh, you can just start circling the ones that you want to uh, potentially do. Yeah. I have, a, I have a bucket list. Of my <laughs> friends. I actually keep a bucket list of races. Uh, but yeah, Eastern States is on there. I mean, Western States, obviously, you know, but, um, but I'm, I'm really not sure about Eastern States. It really, it, it pretty much intimidates me. So <laughs> I have a question mark beside that one. Um, I think a Ute 100 is on there. Um, Bighorn, I definitely, I love to get out and do Bighorn. It looks beautiful out there. Um, although I might just do the 50 because I feel like I'm not sure if I want to go like go on vacation and do 100 because I'd be so wrecked that I'm not sure like how much I could do with my husband afterward, um, like with the hiking and stuff. I don't know. Um, so I, I have to like ask myself like, you know, what do you really want to do um, for those? But Bighorn looks beautiful. I just, the pictures are stunning. Um, have you, what have you done? Like have any, have you done any destination races? Like what have you I haven't done any destination. I mean, I, Mount Mitchell challenge for me was destination race in North yeah. Carolina, but now that yeah. I'm in North Carolina, it's not too, too far away. So I haven't yeah. really traveled too, too far. I mean, I guess I did a couple of Virginia races and my 100 is in Virginia from Ohio. So, um, but yeah, I definitely would recommend going out West and doing one, even though we're an East coast podcast, just going out there, seeing what it's like, realizing it's not as much better than what we have over here. And then coming back and knocking out all the East coast hunter milers, like, uh, like you said, Eastern States and all the other ones. One thing I was kind of surprised is I didn't know how long Eastern States has been going on for. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cause that race has been going on for over seven years now. I know two years it didn't happen, but, um, just mm-hmm. kind of the history with that race is kind of, uh, took me by surprise when I was kind of doing some research on it. So that would be my pick, I guess. Uh, Tim, Tim Crow said to put you on the spot. So here you go. Get prepared. Uh, does she like the dark side at Shawnee? Um, I am not a huge fan of trying to hurl myself over trees. Um, I find that I'm super awkward and I don't know how to like, I don't know if I should go like forward or backward or like, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Um, but I don't quite have that technique down yet. So I feel like there are a lot of awkward, like me trying to straddle a tree and getting stuck. Um, so Tim has a lot more uh, acrobatic skills than I do. Do you want those trees to be cut down or would you rather no, just I don't, be, I guess, <laughs> be cut down? I just, uh, I've been quite found my groove in the dark side at this point, I would say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I know that's always the super challenging part. Obviously the wilderness section of the forest, there's just a billion trees down. And even if there's people in there that go and cut them, there's just going to be more down in the next day or whatever, every time a storm rolls through. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that was funny that Tim, Tim chimed in. He's always good when uh, Tim's listening. Tim's always listening though, for better or worse. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of talk about just going a little, just hitting some of our quicker questions and whatnot is um, the first one I wanted to ask you is what is your favorite snack slash meal on the trail? Hmm. This is challenging because I find that I eat things during ultras that like I don't eat in real life. So in, in general, um, I, I don't eat uh, red meat or I don't eat beef or pork. Right. But oh, I have to tell you, I more than anything in the world love bacon when I'm running ultras. Like I just can't get over it. So that's probably one of my favorite. I, I think I tend to go towards like salty, so like chips, bacon, um, like a nice, like Turkey guacamole, like that kind of thing. Um, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. 
So after a, a, a big adventure or whatnot, like you had this past weekend, do you have any like post-race indulgences or anything kind of like that, that uh, you just like always go to post? Not necessarily the same thing every time. I think, uh, you know, I often go for, again, something kind of like hearty, like I like, you know, like chicken burrito or a turkey burger or something like that. Um, maybe a few days later, I'll want something sweet, but generally afterward, I want something like legit or like a like nice breakfast burrito. Like I think Jamie Hanks and I were asking each other what we were going to eat afterward. And he was going for the breakfast burrito and iced coffee, which I thought sounded excellent. Um, I'm usually a beer and a burger kind of person um, myself, like maybe a black bean burger, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, that's probably my go-to indulgence. And I just feel like I'm constantly hungry for like three days afterward where my coworkers are all like, is there something wrong with you? What are you, why are you eating all the time? But <laughs> Yeah. Did you guys get to uh, all <laughs> Yes. Uh, did you guys go up to like the lodge or anything afterwards to grab a, grab a meal or anything like that? We went to the, what was it called? The shoot it was a brewery, um, Portsmouth brewery, but we were kind of sad. The only thing that was weird, they only had, I mean, you'd think for a brewery, like, Oh, they have like beers to choose from. They only had two beers on tap that night. So it was kind of sad. Tim had the IPA and I had the uh, pumpkin ale, but we were kind of like, it seems odd for a brewery to only have two beers. <laughs> well, Portsmouth to do it a little differently. Apparently, uh, they got to get a couple. <laughs> <together>. <laughs> they so, should get a they should get a Shawnee beer. I mean, I don't know how, how yeah. to get that in place, but that'd be kind of cool to have like a Shawnee Forest beer. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I would like that. Yeah. So it was still fun, uh, but it was just kind of that was funny. We were kind of like, hmm. <laughs> Uh, if ultra, this is my favorite question. Cam always grills me if I don't ask it. But if ultra running had walk up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Probably living on a prayer. <laughs> oh, Bon Jovi! That's our first yes. Bon Jovi on the playlist. So we have a Spotify playlist. I think it's called Tunes of the Nation or whatnot. <laughs> And uh, that is going to be a great addition to the uh, to the playlist there. Uh, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and they were able to run with you and keep pace, who would it be? Um, probably Kara Gaucher. I mean, she is a runner, but yeah, I think she's really cool. I'd love to meet her. Why, uh, why, why her? Um, the, like, I don't know. I guess I just don't follow I just always followed her, I guess, as a, as a, when I was a roadrunner and she's kind of getting into the trail scene now. Um, I just think she seems like a really genuinely cool person and like a nice, you know, good person. And she's also a really talented runner. And um, I don't know, she just seems like somebody I'd like to get to know. Definitely. I know she ran one of the races out in Colorado or something mm-hmm. like that. I know she, I know she, yeah. like, was it the Leadville Marathon, I think? I'm not sure. That might have been it. <laughs> I, 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 so. I like I said, everything west of the Mississippi. I only kind of tune in east of the Mississippi. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I believe she ran the there. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see her kind of hop into that a little bit. Uh, Lisa, yeah. there were no flights on on uh, at the Portsmouth Brewery either. Really? That's that's like ridiculous down there. Yeah. So wait, this is yeah. I mean, some of the COVID rules sometimes like you're kind of like. Why? So they told us that they couldn't serve flights because of COVID, because I guess the the thing they serve them on, I maybe they can't disinfect it well or something. I don't, but I mean, that's, I don't think it's a general thing because I've you can get flights around here. So I don't really, I'm not really sure. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Mean, obviously I'm all for like protocols and if you gotta do what you gotta do in these times, but uh, that seems like a questionable one, I guess. Yeah, we just were a little <laughs> 
like why, but. So we kind of talked about this a little bit with like bucket list races, but like what's one dream race for you? And let's go through a couple distances here. So let's start with like 50K to 50 miler. What's one dream race for you in that distance? Yeah. Um, I, I do want to experience Heiner next year. I'm a little bit, yeah, I'm scared for that, but I feel like that 50K, <laughs> this seems pretty epic. So as, have you heard of anyone that's done it or like what's kind of like the one thing that you're most looking forward to uh, about that race? Yeah, we have a number of friends in the area that go out there actually, you know, many years and have done it. Um, I don't know that I really know necessarily Epic, but I'm just, there's a lot of like snakes out there, like that, the area in Eastern States. So I feel like that's something I'm like kind of terrified about thinking about running into like a, you know, random snake on a rock. Um, yeah. So that's probably what I'd be afraid of. <laughs> and so let's jump up to the, uh, say hundred mile distance or so. So let's pick yeah. one East coast and West coast. Mm, okay. Probably West, I'd say, I, I really want to try for, for Ute 100 on, on Utah. I think that would be beautiful. Um, and East Coast, um, I think it's called, is it down in, well, I guess not really East Coast. It's like, I think Alabama, the Blood 100 sounds. Uh, blood, blood Rock. Yeah, Blood Rock. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, I guess maybe Eastern States. I, I'm not sure. I it's one. I think I need to venture out there, and I'd, I'd like to run the Black Forest Loop, like the 40 mile loop, uh, to get a sense of it because I really haven't haven't even run that area before um, to know. Um, but that's probably probably the other one. Um, I also am interested. It's it's kind of like Midwest, I guess, is the Superior 100. Um, I think that one sounds really beautiful as well. So those are a bunch of like different races with different, I mean, Eastern States and Blood Rock kind of have similar profiles, I think, just because I mean, mm. they're so difficult. I think Blood Rock has like 27,000 feet of elevation mm. gain. I mean, it yeah. is something crazy like that down in Alabama. But um, yeah. what, what kind of draws you to the more technical, more verdy, maybe a little uh, longer effort, like hundreds or per se, per se, I guess, moving forward? I think it's just around kind of continuing to push the envelope. Um, I don't have a ton of interest in, I mean, part of me wants to bang out something fast, but I guess I'm not, I'm not super interested in like something very flat, like, like tunnel Hill or, you know, something along those lines. Um, I guess I like the sort of epic adventure of, you know, navigating through tough, um, tough terrain. Uh, Cause it seems, I guess, a little less doable at the outset for me. Um, I, I feel like pretty confident. Okay. Yeah. I could like do a flat hundred and I mean, maybe not in a certain time or whatever, but you know, in terms of finishing it, it feels less uh, daunting. Um, so I think just continuing to kind of push like the limits is, is important. And I definitely, you know, still feel like I'm fairly junior. I mean, I'm on, this is only, you know, two and a half years of really even doing this. So, um, I feel like I have a lot to learn and I'm bound to have some failures along the way. <laughs> Um, kind of waiting for my first DNF, like hoping it doesn't happen, but knowing that everybody, everybody has that happen. So <laughs> knock on what it doesn't happen. Uh, I don't think it's <laughs> going to happen. So if I, I'm sure there's a bunch of people in the chat right now that also think your first DNF will just never happen. So uh, we'll just keep that good mojo going forward yeah. for you. Trying for the street, but yeah, recognizing that everybody has those days where sometimes it just doesn't work out. So what about you? Have you, what's you, have you had a DNF or what can you... I, yeah, I, my hundred idea, burning a rare 2017, I think yeah. 2017. Okay. So that was my first hundred attempt and I, uh, DNF. So made it 77 miles, but that was oh, my, yeah. That's a tough, yeah. 
Oh, then I DNF Grindstone. I was forget about that one. Twenty two miles in, so that was. Every, I'm the only person that tries to forget about that one. Everyone else reminds me about that one pretty pretty vividly for for good reasons. So, uh, Tim Crow said that you can DNF at a backyard ultra, specifically maybe OBU. <laughs> Do you have I am not going to be race? two weeks post Mohica and I am not going to be running OBU this year, but that's when I have to say like the, the concept to me for, of, of a backyard is just phenomenally like difficult. I mean, I, I have a very, like my brain works in a very like goal oriented, like I need to know, you know, what, what is like the end, you know? And I, I feel like I can't wrap my head around that like whole idea of like you're running until whenever, like, I don't know. I because like, I mean, the way I survive races is really by telling myself, like, I'm at this point, I'm at this point, I'm at, you know, and like, I know like where the end is and, and I can understand, I guess the appeal of it, but I, I feel like I am not mentally at that point where I really feel like I could be competitive at that kind of event. I think you got it. You just got to set yourself. I think the record right now is like 287 miles. Just say like, I'm going in 300 miles. That's your goal. And just, just go out oh, there. That's I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This 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 weekend is actually a big backyard ultra down in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I, I know that uh, Harvey Lewis is running it, yeah. and a couple other Ohio runners, Jacob Conrad, Jordan McKeeley, and maybe a couple others as well. So it should oh. be kind of fun to see, kind of the see what the uh, happens there. I see if any new records are set and whatnot. So um, yeah. yeah, I think you should definitely try a backyard ultra though. That's kind of I think Did it's you, just different. You were an OBU last year. Or? Yeah, I, I I've done I've done the both Ohio ones, Bob's and uh, OBU. So okay. I think both great races. So I think they're both uh, ones you should try. It's just huh. such a unique format. You know, I mean, you just have to go out there and like, I, I'm, I, I mean, for those of you know, you can look an ultra sign up and you see that I'm registered for it right now, but I just don't think that I'm going to do it. Cause like, I'm just not mentally prepared for it this year. You guys have a, have to have a certain mindset going into it with your training. Yeah. And, if and you're that's not, like, what fully... it's about for me is the mental part that I'm just, I don't know even know how to like prepare myself for that mentally. <laughs> it's, yeah. If you're not like mentally all in, then you're like, you're just not going to do well at, at a race. Like, yeah. I'm sure you can say that about other races, but like, I mean, I feel like at a certain point, like a 50 mile or a 50 K or I mean, maybe some even longer stuff, like you can mentally get through it. Even if you're having not a great day physically, you can kind of push yourself through. But in a backyard ultra, you kind of just don't, if you're not mentally there, you're, you're out of the game way quicker than you would like to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, well, we'll get you in one. Maybe we won't force you to do one in 2021. <laughs> Maybe in a couple of years, like, I'll see how I feel. But yeah, as of now, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> if you, if, okay, if you win Mohican, will you sign up for just OBU and just go back in? Can we get that on paper? <laughs> okay. okay, deal. Fine. Because I know it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. There we go. That, that's all we needed. I just needed that uh, little bit of. Uh, I'll be down there cheering them on and telling them they're crazy and probably drinking beer. But yeah. <laughs> That's actually probably more fun at an event like that. Uh, what is one thing, I guess, that like with trail running and ultra running um, that kind of just like one spot in Ohio, I mean, obviously it, like that kind of like is a misconception about Ohio ultra running. I think that there's a lot of viewers right now that are probably tuning in from Ohio, but I think there's a lot of people that may be tuning in from other states. We've kind of gravitated on to regeneration recently, but what's one thing about Northeast Ohio specifically that kind of gets some misconceptions about it? Well, I mean, I'm actually not from Ohio. I'm from South Central Pennsylvania. Um, I think it gets a lot of misconceptions just around like how much there is to do and just the number of parks we have. I mean, I, I realize how incredibly blessed we are to like just have the number of metro parks, not just the CVMP, but you know, all of the, the Summit County, you know, Lake County, Geauga County, 
Um, you know, my husband and I, you know, in addition to me being a trail runner, we love to hike. And I mean, I just feel like there's endless amounts of beautiful areas here that there's even still, we've been here for um, 10 years and I feel like I'm still finding new places to explore. So I feel really grateful that there actually are as many beautiful places locally as, as there are. Um, I, you know, living in, I lived in Pittsburgh for six years while I went to college and really there wasn't too much there in terms of parks other than, you know, Frick Park and Shenley Park in the city, there wasn't a ton around. And so I feel like, you know, we have a ton more here. And I just found it surprising because I didn't, I didn't picture myself ending up in Northeast Ohio. It was not ever growing up like, wow, I'm going to live in Cleveland. Um, but it's funny how, you know, places grow on you and it actually, you know, I feel like it's a, a nice place to live. What a great outdoor, you know, opportunity. Definitely. And I think obviously, I mean, you want to do these big races where they have more vert than maybe Northeast Ohio does on the regular basis. But uh, do you think you can properly train for those races and kind of how do you switch that mental switch and physical to kind of get ready to go tackle those big races other places? Yeah, it's I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I feel like I do feel a little uncertain about, you know, tackling things like that. Um, you know, I would just plan to for myself, I think, adding in some you know strength training um finding the hilliest places around here that I can, or, you know, venturing down to Mohican or Shawnee to get a little more vert. Um, and, you know, like I said, just adding the cross training into, I think anything you can do to, um, to help strengthen, you know, your legs and your, your core and your, your body helps. Um, but, you know, being that I haven't done anything too epic yet, you know, we'll see how, how well that works. But, um, but I think, I mean, people obviously do it. I think people from the area have done very well at some of these races. So obviously it works, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not hundred percent sure I have the, the formula down yet. Yeah, no, well, you're going to get it down very quickly. I know once the first race you go out West or other places in the East, I mean, you did that at oil Creek, basically. I mean, that was kind of a race there where you kind of went out there and took what second place there. I, third was, I, was, third, I was third female. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The first female was first overall and she was insane. Like she, she was wildly good. She was actually I think she lived in Japan or something and she was training in like the mountains of Hong Kong or I don't even know. It was some, something crazy, but yeah, she was, she was, I never saw her. She just was gone. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. I was in second for most of the time. And then I ended up in third because I got passed at mile like 55 or something. <laughs> no, that's like, that's, I mean, that's an example of a hilly race, right? I think. I'm yeah, that was, yeah, it was. I, but I actually love that race. It's actually really nice. I, it's a great course. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, so you've obviously want to get back to a little bit of your PA roots, I guess, with the Heiner and you've done Oil Creek or whatnot. So Eastern States actually may be the one that you've forced to do for your hundred mile. We'll see. Yeah, if, if I'm brave enough. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's another, I'm trying to think of PA altars and I can't really well, think of Laurel, too many. I'm, I'm interested in Laurel as well. Yeah, Laurel Highlands. That was just, just happened. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. I lived in Philadelphia for about a year and I still don't know all the PA ultras. So it kind of shows uh, how well I did there, I guess, <laughs> learning up on my scene. But this has been a lot of fun uh, kind of talking to you about all different stuff. I'm mean, obviously your adventure down to Shawnee, kind of uh, Tuscasaur, all the stuff that you've kind of battled with this year, kind of got through and kind of continue to crush things in the, in the future and at Mohican in two weeks. And when you go on to OBU in four weeks, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, for our viewers that want to follow you on social media or uh, kind of just see what you're up to, where can they find you at? I'm pretty much just on Facebook, to be honest. I uh, I don't have Instagram or, or Twitter. Um, so I just, yeah, I feel like I waste enough time on Facebook that I, I don't need to add any more to my profile. But yeah, you're welcome to look me up there. Um, I also um, 
highly, uh, and if you're in the area and endorse joining the Trail Enthusiasts for Burning River, that um, is a Facebook group as well. We post our um, our weekly runs, and that's kind of where I actually really got into the trail running scene was from from that group. So I, I want to throw another question in real quick because I, that group is really spectacular. I know it's a bunch of them listening here. Uh, kind of like, what is the impact been of that group on your trail running and kind of like, what does that group mean to you? Oh my gosh, huge. I mean, they've changed my life, honestly. Um, I think just from a challenging myself, the friendships, the camaraderie, um, just the learning. I mean, I think I showed up, like I said, December of almost three years ago, um, wanting to run a 50 K and they just, you know, how much I've learned from those guys, just how much we've gotten to know each other just personally. And I mean, there's, there's so much intimacy to some extent in, in ultra running, you know, you, you go through such like low times when you're racing and everything and that you just, you really get to become a family. Um, but I think just the, the, um, you know, the, the camaraderie and the, and the experience of the, of the more experienced runners has been hugely beneficial. And I, I never in a thousand years ever thought I could run a hundred miles. Like a couple of years ago, I'd be like, heck no. I remember even I did a 10 mile trail race uh, like five years ago and was like, how do people run 50 K? Like, how is that even possible? You know? So, um, it, it's, it's made a huge difference. And just the group training too. I mean, I wouldn't do the miles on my own that, that I do as the group. I just, I don't think I would do it solo. Um, so I, I think there's, there's so much success that we've helped each other achieve. And it's, it's, immeasurable actually yeah and i, I know that i've obviously i think that's, that's where i met you jamie through that group and yeah. uh, it's kind of cool to see a lot of different people and i mean they've got things for i mean all different paces people are running on the, the long run days and then if you want to go fast you you can go fast like they, they, they will challenge they you, will chase you. <laughs> there will people that will challenge you and make you a better runner so and that group yeah. has got everything so sure. um, we'll definitely put some links and whatnot to the group down there so people can find that um Thank you so much for joining us tonight in the live show. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Jamie, you're going to go out. You're going to win the Mohican 100 prediction right there. If we're making a prediction video. So that's going to be my pick right now. It's my pick today, so I'm sticking with it. You're going to go to OBU. You're going to go do Eastern States next year. Rim to <laughs> river to rim, whatever that is. Rim to rim to rim. We're doing the rim to river stuff right now, different 100 milers. So that's why I can't. Oh, yeah, right. That's soon. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be super awesome to kind of see you continue to crush more top five finishes and all that good stuff in the future. Uh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rizzo Nation.